when you're talking about such a serious topic, you're invoking premises like you actually considered killing yourself. I don't think you should then be exaggerating any aspect of that story. When you're talking about the idea people are racists, sexists, you should not ever be exaggerating those stories because those crimes are bad enough in themselves. Just tell it how it is. Welcome again, everyone, to Side Select. Bunch of grumpy old men talking about esports. We have a different few games here to talk about today. Before we get started on the topics, of course, let me introduce my wonderful friends here. Thorin, how you doing? What did you have for lunch today? For lunch, I had... Um, let me think, actually, what did I have for lunch today? That's a good question. I asked you about breakfast last time and you couldn't yeah. answer. I don't know why I'm this really... is tough. Yeah. Why is this actually a tough one for me? <laughs> What did I even have? I actually don't know if I legitimately even remember. That was how not memorable it was. I will All say, right. I won't say the reasons why, but I actually did have to get up early and go and do some like important real life stuff. So I can't really remember. It's some, it wasn't anything great. But okay. I could, didn't stand out, did it? It wasn't great. Excellent. It's probably well, just whatever, you know, Fnatic used to have when they went 18 0, probably gruel and, <laughs> you know, water rations or something. Whatever. I've saved it there by making a funny joke about Fnatic. So okay, cool. Going. Brilliant stuff. Well, I hope the rest of your answers are slightly more memorable <laughs> than whatever you had for lunch. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And of course, the other side, we've got Rich too. How you doing, mate? What did you have for lunch? Please tell I'm me you remember good, at mate. least what you ate. Well, Thorin might not remember what he had for lunch, but maybe he'll be eating crow later today. Oh. Oh, how's that one? That saying hasn't been used in about 30 years, man. <laughs> All the kids are going, what, like in a pie in like one of those old fairgrounds? I've done, I've done a double boomer on you. Now I'm referencing old children's tales or something that no one knows about. Whatever. Anyway, get the show going, Foxtrot, quickly. All right. Let's talk about our first topic of the day. We got on to CSGO. Team Liquid has announced that Nitro, he's ditching Valorant. He's coming back to CSGO. He's going to be playing for their team. So he's been a lot of time, honestly, since he's been in the CSGO scene. A uh, fairly big name, however. He's coming back. And what are your thoughts? I want to hear about it. Thorin, hit me. You're the CSGO man. I'm actually one of the only people it feels like in the scene who's not feeling this move because there's one obvious factor, like as you said, he wasn't playing CSGO, he was off in Valorant. So not only is he just coming back now, like by the way, spoiler, he only very recently stopped playing Valorant. It's not like, you know, he quit three months ago and then, you know, he just was feeling, oh, what am I feeling as a game? P played a bunch of pogs and now he's like, oh, I've got my vibe for CSGO. No, he's just coming back immediately. So the idea you're going to chuck someone into a team, which the other players of the team in theory should have a chance to be a, like a very good players. I just think that's a bit like... I think it's a bit, um, what would you say? I would say it's a bit presumptuous to just assume you can just waltz back in a year later or whatever and just be as good. And then I'll finally say as well, I actually think there's a, a separate detail that I think you have to have quite deep knowledge of CS to know, which is, and I'd spoiler, that basically when Nitro was at his best, like actually him as an in-game leader, looked like he had a lot of impact on the team, it was in 2018 when they were the second best team in the world famously behind Astralis. In 2019, they were actually the best team in the world at one point, but here's the problem. In 2019, they basically just fragged out and he, they weren't a very tactical team. And in 2018, when they were tactical, they had a coach called Zeus, who's the Brazilian coach who was with like MIBR and SK Gaming and luminosity and the thing is he is a tactical coach so unfortunately to me i look at his career and he was only really i thought a very good in-game leader when he had this specific coach he doesn't have him now and his team quite frankly doesn't have the firepower they had in 2019 so if you had it all together i'm kind of not feeling it i'm kind of feeling like it might be a little bit of a, a bit of a dud when he comes back you know yeah okay well i think that's an interesting point you bring up because coaching staff is always one of those things that's really hard to judge and even even in game leaders, you know, like how how big of a voice they have, the the, the way they can influence things, and it's always a hot topic and stuff, especially in CS:GO when you know your guys bottom fragging. But it's the IGL, so you have got to give him some respect and that kind of stuff. Uh, Rich, on the other hand, what are your thoughts? Nitro is coming back. Do you have more of a of a positive feeling about this one, or are you sticking with Thorin as well? And you think uh, it's going to be a bit of a dark? actually no. This this goes under the category of like uh surprisingly decent uh reddit takes i think like when i was looking through the stuff on reddit and sort of community reaction or whatever i was actually really surprised that it wasn't just university like oh my god this is so awesome i love nitro he's so cool he's coming back i think there's like a few factors to this which make this very underwhelming for me first of all it's just that people forget the last time we saw nitro in action he just wasn't playing that good that should be you know a fairly important factor to this the second thing and this is more of like a technical point but for people who don't know, for people who've never taken gaming, like, especially seriously on a personal level, at least, you know, uh, FPS gaming especially seriously, one of the worst things you can do is, like, dabble in other games. 
And you might think that, you know, the, the more different the game, the worse it is. But I would actually sort of argue in the opposite direction. You know, if you go and play Call of Duty and you're sliding around corners and you're ADSing and stuff like this, the mechanics are so vastly different. I don't think it's going to impact your muscle memory as bad. Let me just quickly break down the difference between Valorant and CSGO. Very similar concept, very similar movements in terms of the base movement speed of the fact you can't sprint, uh, hold shift to, to walk and go silent, stuff like this. But the way the aiming mechanic works, for example, like the AK in CSGO, the first bullet is almost completely accurate. By the way, not completely accurate. It's accurate within like a couple of pixels, whereas in CSGO, 99 times out of 100, it's pretty much pixel perfect. In CSGO, you have set spray patterns that will be, you know, con consistent and follow a well particular pattern every time you shoot. That does not exist in Valorant. You have what Riot describe as like variable spray patterns where they say really confusingly it's like half predictable, half uh, like organic, which which is weird. Right. But basically they have this quasi spray pattern system, which means that you have to quote unquote adapt as you're spraying, which some people have said this makes it more skillful. But to me, it means the opposite. But regardless mm. of that, you also have bloom effect. Now bloom is the most outrageous aspect of all of this to me, but essentially bloom is your bullets don't always go where you shoot. They go within a uh, parameter of where you're shooting. Like so a cord you, or something. Yeah, so yeah, like, if you yeah. imagine like it's just a small circle is your reticle rather than a dot, then they don't go in the middle of the circle. They can go anywhere within that circle. Yes, yeah, So to me, switching back from this game, first of all, you weren't playing that well in the first place. Secondly, then you piss off to Valorant for however long and start playing on a game with very different mechanics. Now I'm expected to believe that you're going to come back to the original game where you weren't playing particularly well and suddenly be like a massive asset to the team. Like, I just don't believe that. Obviously, the counter argument to that is, well, primarily when he was at his best, he was an IGL. And if you're going to go NA for this player and you want to get an IGL, like who do you really get? And, you know, you're talking about problems, but you're not providing solutions. And I'll agree there. Like, I can't think of many good solutions where I'm like, this was an obvious one. Especially if you're going NA, it's not like, you know, there's a plethora of other players you can just go for, right? But I don't necessarily think they should be going NA because, I mean, they brought in shocks, for example. Like, if you're going to go down this road of being open to, like, European players or multi-language uh, teammates or whatever, then why is Nitro the default? I mean, just as an example, I know Vitality are loaded and probably wouldn't have picked your project anyway, but the timelines are relatively close together with Magisk. Like, could you have made a play for this guy? Like, if all things were equal, I would rather have risked Magisk with shots <coughs> coming over than I would with bringing Nitro back. So, yeah, my take is that I don't actually think it was a particularly good move. Um, for the player, it might be, but for the organization, no, I, I don't think it's a good move. I think it was actually maybe even hinted on something like where it was never said publicly, but in one of these like shows where they, you know, people who are journalists know like rumors or they say things, right? It was almost implied that Team Liquid might have been one of the teams that was in the mix for the, the players you're talking about that came from Astralis to go to um, Vitality. And similarly, I know actually, I think Navi themselves even said that they were trying to get the Monacy guy. So they have gone for some big players. By the way, I think that I suspect that's why we've ended up in this situation is they didn't get them, as in the players just chose to go elsewhere. In certain cases, apparently for less money, because people apparently didn't believe in Team Liquid. And if people don't really believe in it, and you look who they've gotten, they've gotten kind of sort of a washed up great player in Shocks, and they've gotten a guy who might be really good, but he's, this is his first chance at the top, top, top level in OC. So to me, I, I actually suspect maybe they didn't have that many options. And I actually unfortunately feel like maybe players think team look is a bit cursed or something and they don't want to go there at the moment so i just don't feel it like here's the thing it doesn't mean the actual squad will fail like the rest of the team they have some pretty decent firepower it's just i think nitro himself this is the problem if anything that might end up being a bigger issue say the rest of the team's awesome and it's just this one element's not quite up to snuff well that could literally mean the difference between being number one and like number five or something you know do you think that they should have gone for someone else because if you're talking yeah. about the different like maybe their options are a bit limited and, and maybe people didn't even want yes. to go to team liquid but you know if with with that in mind so if people didn't actually want to go maybe nitro is just the best they can get like do you think maybe there was oh, no no mate, my mate msl is literally sat there waiting like, like the guy in the 1950s like fucking r&b song he's just waiting crying next to a phone that's never gonna ring mate that guy already <laughs> can walk in tomorrow and be way better similarly people might know g2 got alexi b that was back and forth apparently that was all about big it hasn't actually officially happened yet because the buyouts apparently being the good so again if you come in with a big balls offer maybe he comes like i think there were people you could have got 
and it's just that the problem is and this is the final detail we have to add in here which does also shade why it's happened is Nitro was in Team Liquid and he played with especially Elise for a long long time and then NAF for a few years now so I think also like I won't say it's pure nepotism because obviously he did have a real history it's like he's just their mates but I think there's a little bit of that I think it's like they're sort of thinking like right since we know how he is once he's in the team right, that's that taken care of and obviously we're cool, cool here and then we just have to figure these two out so I think there was a bit of that whereas to me you don't make teams based on things like that you make teams based on who's good today you don't do it based on the past you know yeah and the sad uh, thing as well is they're never going to be like this lineup unless something weird happens and like you never know if a player is like cerebral as shocks like he could randomly be a top five player next year like he's done it before where he's kind of dropped off a cliff and then suddenly he's one of the best players in the world again but barring something extreme like that happening you're you are just a worse worse version of liquid who still didn't ever you know truly reach their potential when they were at the top so to me that's just kind of a sad note almost it's like bring back old nitro you know no <laughs> not it's not not time for the glue factory yet buddy like dragging him back out of the cart like i, I, I don't know Fair enough. I I mean, Glue Factory. That's fine. Nineteen fifties R and B. Um, is that was that a thing? R &B I meant like soul music or whatever. <laughs> R and B is just an update of soul music. You know. I don't. Oh, I by the way, if you want to really get absolutely red pilled and blow your own mind, almost every banger hip hop producer just takes seventies soul music. He finds obscure ones, vinyls, and records that you won't know, and he just basically like speeds it up or pitch shifts it, and then you're thinking, "What? A, oh, why do you do this?" And he didn't. He just copied a soul record from the seventies. Right, maybe we should do like some music. I could go deep on any topic, mate. Don't worry about it. I yeah, legit. You yeah. just got Edlund. Yeah. I get my Marvin Gear bag. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, well, that's the end of our first stuff. I think that's a. Yeah, I mean, Nitro's got some stuff to prove, it seems like, at least for you two. And that's that's fair enough. He's been out of the game for a little while. We're going to move on to something which might be a little bit surprising if you're used to watching Thorin and Rich talk, because they, they do talk for a little while. We're going to go for a quick fire round this time, okay? Now, we're not going to be touching on the LEC too much in today's episode, so we're going to touch on it just a teeny weeny little bit. Here we had the Super Week just gone, right? Uh, we had some interesting results. I don't I don't think, or well, at least personally, I wasn't expecting exactly what we saw. Uh, and I just want to get real quick right here. I'm going to time you guys. I'm going to give you, I don't know how long, but just, just know you're on the clock. What do you think was the biggest overreaction or underreaction to the European League of Legends scene in the last week with that super week Thorin, hit me up first what was this the is where over or under? i almost feel like for this one because i can basically read rich's mind it really he should have gone first for this one because i'm just ruin this whole point it was right it's not it's got to be vitality because they've gone zero right. and three everyone's like oh but i want it and oh but basically all those na fans apparently now come over to europe as well like i told you this perks fucking sucks he keeps just hinting <laughs> everything all the time and it's like mate they've a brand new lineup they've never even played together like give them chance like it's not like we can judge them after week one but of course everyone has so that's just the way the scene goes we all know that so it's yeah. just the, like it's a roller coaster when you follow lec isn't it yeah alfari tweeted that you know their rookies they just need time to gel so it's fine there we go. What's, okay. your, what's, what's your overaction underreaction from lec so actually i'm going in a completely different direction My, i'm going for the overreaction of how well wonder played this week i actually think wonder was horrendous <laughs> right People oh. like, maybe in gear one or something okay no 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 Thorin okay. and the whole of the community saw one crappy little Gragas play where if you actually watch it, that's far more about how badly the gank was than how amazingly won the play. That was just a balancing aggro nightmare fest. Look at all the games he played. This guy lost lane to Genax. This guy lost lane to Alfaro. This guy lost lane in all of the opening three games. This guy played poorly. He got caught out overextending three times, messed up his easy barrel escape when he was playing Gragas, got caught at enemy blue buff and died for no reason. This guy did not play well at all wonder is washed i called it last episode i'm sticking with it that's my take of the week he's wow. he's washed he's done trash lost to jenna okay i'm gonna I'll, I'll chuck him out one here since we're we're doing some quick quick hits here i think mad lions i think the best players on their team were rico and unforgiven and they're the two guys that everyone had question marks about oh, was hitting on them right especially yeah rico, especially, Exactly, exactly. You know, it's you've got big, big shoes to fill. You know, you've got Humanoid, who was like the best mid in Europe last year. Kazi's kind of, you know, he, he's got like mixed, mixed opinions about him in the community, but still, like, they were just really, really good. And I think, honestly, like, Mad Lions, back to back champions last year, always seem to just 
It's, wait, it's, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. All, right? all I'm saying is, Rich, just look at Foxtrop right now. Stay very still, Foxtrop. Like, imagine Foxtrop actually had like much longer hair, right? And it went down the sides of his head. Like it, it's that's it's just him. It's the Mad Lions coach. It's just the Mad <laughs> Lions coach in disguise. No wonder he's on this show picking up his dad's outrageous. That's absolutely disgraceful. Like, oh, Mac, shit. what are you doing, mate? Listen, I know I know you've fallen on hard times. Humanoids left you. Like one of those Why is that he's, he's on hard times? In nineteen fifties. Back on hard times is me. What's that mean? <laughs> I'm just being me, <laughs> Fuck you, I'm moving on. Alright, we're going to our next topic of the day. I've had enough of that nonsense. Uh, we're hopping across the pond this time round from LEC to LCS. It was the lock-in tournament. Uh, it's always good to see the uh, the American Fiesta going down. I have to say that obviously I'm I'm European, but honestly, a little bit a little bit disappointing viewership-wise. And I think this is kind of a trend that we've seen recently with the past few years. LCS numbers have been dropping, uh, and it's one of those things where at what point do you start worrying about it because you know you, like the, the restreams and the co-streams and all these things and, and i know in, in lec you've got like the regional leagues with like the different um different, different language broadcasts and stuff like that all contributing so it's kind of hard to know quite exactly like where the numbers are at but it really does seem like lcs is kind of dropping off a little bit so i want to I, I mean firstly i want to say do you agree that you think it's dropping off and secondly why do you think the lcs is is struggling a little bit viewership wise is it just because it is the lock-in tournament and not really like the, the proper start of the lcs rich i'm coming to you on this one what are your thoughts so firstly i don't think the lock-in tournament is an excuse at all for bad viewership i think it happened on the same weekend as lec was launching the hype around the new season starting is like well in its place if there was gonna be good viewership for the LCS, it would have started this weekend, in my opinion. It's very rare that you're going to have the first gameplay for a year in a region, and then that the number's going to go up from there, like, until we get to playoffs, at least. Like, I think that's not an excuse at all. Um, I do think it is a cause uh, to be worried. Just to give you some rough numbers, I mean, these probably aren't, like, 100% established, but based on the data that has been sort of put together, the LEC peaked, if you take all the channels into account, at around 530,000 viewers, um, LCS was at 220,000. Even if those numbers are off by a little bit, it gives you, you know, an idea. I mean, LEC is basically twice the size of NA right now in terms of viewership. Um, in terms of why it's happening, I think it's a two-pronged issue. I think generally, there's a, in the community now, I think there is a generally held belief that you are watching a lower standard of league when you're watching the LCS. And if we sort of ignore the East for now and just say people who are interested in that are going to be interested in in it or they're not sort of regardless of anything else when you're talking about western audiences i do think in that uh in that area they're going to generally pick what they believe to be the the higher level of league i don't think that should necessarily have a huge impact but i also think when you couple it with how the ecosystem supports itself from a league perspective it's huge in the eu we have the regional leagues which obviously it helped this year having a lot of well-known players going down into them to sort of, you know, drag them up a little bit. But at the same time, those leagues on their own were trending pretty heavily upwards. And even though there's no relegation and promotion, everything in Europe does feel somewhat connected. You feel like you're watching the future stars whenever you watch the, the best teams in the regional league. You feel there can be movement between the teams, not just between their academy teams and their main rosters. But okay, this is a guy I'm very likely to see next split. He's absolutely smurfing. And he's not just playing against trash players. Like now you look at the LFL, those rosters are stacked head to bottom, yeah. uh, head to toe. They're stacked. LVP, absolutely stacked. And there's a bunch of teams across the other leagues, Ultraliga, a couple of decent NLC teams. Um, so it, it just has a much grander uh, feel to it. It feels like it's more important as well because you have this ecosystem that's built in and around the main league. And it's all kind of geared towards the ultimate goal as well, which is obviously Europe doing it Worlds which always, year upon year, even more so, feels like if a Western team's going to do it, it's going to come out of Europe. So I think those two things mainly combined, there's just way more interesting storylines, way way bigger pool of players that are interesting. And yeah. basically, the novelty of, oh, how many Europeans who we've already seen are good are going to now be playing in your league. I mean, that novelty wears thin over time. Like, I'm, who's that interested to see how well Inspired does? I'm not saying he's an uninteresting player, or, you know, he's a very good player, but... It's, seeing him play with a different jersey on isn't that interesting. If that's the most yeah. interesting thing I have to look forward to, fuck that. I'm going to watch LVP and see who like these 16-year-old stars of the future are. So, yeah. I, I think it's it's a good point. One of the things I've always thought about LEC is like the branding of the players has never been quite as strong. Part of me also just feels like that's that's almost like a um 
because they're not native English speakers, a lot of them. It's quite rare that you get native English speakers that are, that are huge personalities that resonate with Western audiences. Um, I, I, you know, I can think of someone like Jankos, for example. He's, you know, everyone loves him because he's goofy and funny and stuff like that. But when, when we look at the really charismatic character, that yeah, the, the really charismatic people like like Afrimu, for example, who's been around forever. And to be honest, is no, he he he's he's been he was good for a while, and to be honest, he's kind of just been like middle of the pack to to low tier for the rest of it. He's still like everyone loves him still. Why? Because he's just a great guy. Whenever whenever you like watch his interviews, he's just he's he's chilled. He's he's got, he brings this kind of you know his charisma. It just yeah, I, I think you know you just get people follow him, and then you saw a little bit of a taste of what what you were mentioning, Rich, with like the ERLs that that ERL system, which doesn't really exist in NA. When Jose Diodo came over to FlyQuest. What the hell, man? That was ridiculous. He brought over like like these these rabid fans from 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 Latin America. Flyquest even started hosting Spanish speaking LCS restreams just because he has such a huge following, you know, coming over there. And, and like he's not exactly like a super talent or anything like that. It's just you when you have these like um, smaller communities, I guess, like regional communities, it really benefits. Like they what they watch, you know, they watch the the games, and you've got like France, like Poland, and and, and like the Spanish, all that kind of stuff, like all all crazy like in the EU as well, which I think NA kind of lacks. I've talked enough now, though. Rich, what do you think about LCS and why you think those viewerships are kind of dwindling? Yeah, if I have to like theory craft why, I mean, one reason for me would be I actually think finally, because the LEC is treated as a separate product, spoiler, I, even without the branding, I think LEC, or when it was EU LCS, could have com contended. But the way it was scheduled was clearly mm. to be a, like you were supposed to then like the LCS would just take its fans when LEC ended and take them and sort of run with it on Twitch. Also, like the days weren't as good. There was a whole bunch of factors for me. So now that it's a separate product of its own, I think it thrives in its own because it's got its own unique flavor. I also think having people like who are core streamers, people like I Will Dominate, people like LS, who obviously NA fans are very interested in, when they show interest in Europe, when they show how good they are, then obviously, yeah, obviously it's a much better competitive region. It was at least close before, you know, like Europe would finish better, like the best team, but you could know, be close if they played. Generally, people don't consider it as close, I don't think anymore. And then another thing for me is, They've been, of all the times for LCS to sort of finally go, we believe in rookie talent. It's like, this is the year. So I don't know how we've ended up in a scenario where people who have branded themselves well, like Jensen is an icon of the LCS. Even though he hasn't been there, this other guy, I think Jazuki, he's still been there a couple of years and he has a very, obviously, a fantastic character, a super entertaining player style. Like, you can't just build up stars like these and then go, hey, I've got a 17-year-old kid called Giorgio Pion. Like, who is he? Oh, Peter Dunn says he's really good. Like... Mate, no one will even hear that interview, so they'll just go, who? And it'll, it'll look like a FlyQuest mid lane or something. And then also, let's add this one other detail in. You look at the rosters, and obviously some of these rosters are whack. They put in the Academy squad because of visa issues. By the way, spoiler fans, if this was the beginning of LCS and it counted to qualifying to Worlds, they'd have found a way to get those deals done in time to have the visa and people would be here. They wouldn't be fielding a whole like roster squad of nobodies. So, to me, who the hell wants to tune in and watch TSM Academy lose? Like, I want to watch the real TSM lose. You know we have what's going on. <laughs> obviously that goes out saying and i'll say i agree with rich i don't think it is an excuse to go it's just a lack in tournament first of all cocksuckers I don't, you can edit it out obviously if you don't say that <laughs> we don't have a couple of lock-in tournaments you get an extra tournament you get an extra tournament in the year everyone's crying about not enough tournaments you get an extra tournament and you don't even pay any attention you go oh, i'm just gonna treat you like it's just like the pre-season and then on top of that how are we all going to gaslight everyone? Is week one of a league, the least interesting BO1s, as good as a tournament? Like, dude, LEC locking last year, uh, LCS locking was banging last year. You got to see best of fives between those teams. It was like, yo, all the best players. Like, it got me hype. I actually think if you do it properly, locking should, in theory, have a big spike at the beginning of the year because everyone's been in the off-season dying to watch some league. There's nothing to watch. Spoiler, you could have watched like Demacia Cup or something. I know no one watches LPL. So, you, like, I think, in theory, it's a bad sign across the board i think that the viewership so low makes me feel like this is the year where it just gets depressing for lcs wow yeah, I, yeah so i'll just add one thing as well which is on your point of like you know a supposedly hype player like you know jojo piano or whoever the the amount that the community as a whole is able to get hype based on this player is so limited because of how of the region has treated academy not just from a literal uh sense of how much finances or whatever has been put into it there were years where it wasn't even streamed like where you mm. literally had na lcs academy and there was nowhere to watch the games players were going on twitter and posting like screenshots and clips and like just memeing the fact that no one could even watch their games live so to me that's mental and then you contrast that with 
LFL gets more viewership than LCS. Like, just straight up, it just gets more viewership than LCS. LVP almost gets more viewership than L LCS. And then the equivalent academy system in North America wasn't even streamed for a period. Like, actually mental. Now, I did notice they announced a bunch of talent people. Um, and try they're clearly trying to like build up academy more for this year but i don't want to say it's like too late as if the game's you know gonna die before they're able to turn it around or something but as far as i'm concerned for this year it's too late like you're you're in now like this is what you're seeing now the product you're getting now and the viewership you're getting now i don't think it's gonna go up like i think it's just gonna trend in the same way that it has done like you know mountains need to move i think uh for for that to change so yeah I think for what it's worth, it's really hard to properly like diagnose these kind of things as well. And uh, something that I view from 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 the LCS perspective is, who wants to watch LCS Academy when you just watch LCS? You know, like that, that's the thing is like Academy kind of just competes with the the main LCS broadcast. Like, sure, obviously, like you're watching people who could be coming up in you know in the LCS in future years, but then you just wait until they come up to LCS if you want to watch them, and then the the rest of the Academy uh, roster, like te teams, are filled with players that you know like like the gatekeeping players who aren't quite good enough for lcs but they've been around for like 10 years you know and they're they're still able to find spots in academy because they're just better than any of the available rookies it feels a lot similar to how like nlc which is the um the 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 english regional league broadcast doesn't get very good viewership at all i would know i've been part of that broadcast for a long time and no the... connection there so yeah well i'm not on it anymore oh, actually oh, so oh, if, well, if, in that case it doesn't make it sense up then okay. yeah i'm gonna be Fair a little enough. bit miffed but <laughs> Yeah, it's it's because it competes with 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 LEC. Like, if you want to watch an English League of Legends broadcast, you watch LEC. The reason why Elf, uh, LFL and LVP and even like uh, the Ultra League and all of these like regional leagues are so popular is because if you want to watch a like Polish broadcast, like Polish teams, you watch that league. It doesn't have competition from the LEC, you know, and even like really like like comparatively smaller regional leagues like like the portuguese league and the greek leagues and stuff like that they'll still uh pull in a few thousand viewers for the same reason you know it's i just think i think the lcs you know i just don't think people care really a huge amount about about academy and but to be honest i don't know what i'm talking about i'm trying to, by the way though if people are not fans from the old days this is a crazy surreal conversation that even could exist like if you go for the first three or four years of like lcs era like na was like i'm gonna guess like two or three times more they had all the stars even if the players weren't mm. as good like mm. the joke was even the eu fan watched lcs by the way maybe i should add that in there's an area i think it might have changed in my opinion whenever i looked at fans who were from eu they watched the eu lcs lec and then some of them would watch lcs as well like you want to see double after i don't think those fans watch the lcs now dude i think for real there's so many teams in lec that are good it's not just two or three at the top i think they probably just watch lec i think they probably don't bother staying up late and two in the morning watching that you know yeah i think that's a good point as well i i always saw that back in the day when i was you know doing my youtube stuff and, and whatever like in 2014 and whatnot it's like who wants to work with eulcs it's all about NALCS. that's where it was at um but times have changed we'll see what the future holds for uh, someone who appears on the lec every third week <laughs> if only <laughs> that's another one lec nlc get in touch lec get okay. in touch anyone yes. fucking get it yes exactly. <laughs> please mate i got a mortgage to pay for fuck's sake all right we'll move on before i start crying this is uh this is this is pretty juicy stuff actually um i know froskurin as a character is pretty controversial within the league of legends scene and probably any scene really i think as a character she's she's uh she's quite abrasive she definitely uh doesn't mince her words and thorin you might know a few things about people disliking you for that kind of reason so uh let's talk about her because she recently posted on the g4 tv subreddit if you don't know what that is uh, g4 tv that's where she works now it's I think it's like a gaming show thing on Twitch, like news and stuff like that. But she works as a host there. Uh, and they recently asked about, you know, the hate that female hosts were getting in the gaming scene. And Frosco replied to that and also touched a lot on her time in the LEC. And there was a lot of banger stuff there. Like she said, and I quote, that the management disparaged and bullied her and her peers during negotiations he said that they failed to uh, invest in upcoming talent uh, and meritocracy and instead lean back on hiring nepotism love those words and and the absolute like kind of left me speechless honestly when i read it was what she said at the end which was she said 
I would have committed suicide if I stayed in the LEC, and that's why I left. Um, wow. Uh, talk to me about that. Uh, a lot of, yeah, that's big. Uh, Rich, I'm coming to you again. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so I think it's really easy with someone like Proscorin to just immediately jump in and be like, she's full of shit, she's lying, like she has no credibility, blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, all of those things could well be true, right? But I think what's super important to say is that whenever you're dealing with topics as serious as, uh, serious as this, especially, you know, talking about suicide, bullying, discrimination, these kinds of things, the victim's case should always be treated seriously, at least to begin with. Um, even if you have as bad and dishonest a track record as Frost definitely does, right? Um, if it all turns out to be bullshit or massively exaggerated, then so be it. Uh, <laughs> but we we just can't set a precedence where victims aren't listened to and taken seriously as a default. That cannot happen. So that's the first thing. Um, in terms of like the, the most interesting things I took from this, um, I would kind of focus on like the nepotism point, mainly because that is something that is a continuation of something that we know at least used to be true. We know that for a fact. Um, and obviously in, in the context of hiring, uh, she suggested that good candidates were being passed over for less good candidates, uh, that, you know, were friends of the right management, essentially. And again, historically, we've seen this countless times, right, with hires or, you know, potential outside hires and how they've been treated versus quote-unquote friends of Riot. I mean, obviously, you know, I I believe I'm right in saying that Thorin's even dabbled like long time ago now in the potential of maybe appearing on certain things. I know that Monty has um, obviously how Monty's been treated historically with Riot. Even Richard Lewis, way back in the day, I remember season four, season five, Richard Lewis was trying to, in fact, other members of the media, Jacob Wolf more recently, right? Jacob Wolf, Ashley Kang. You know, this is a really common thing that they will treat friends differently to people who are perceived to be outsiders, right? Of their little clique. I mean... Even, uh, you know, this goes higher or beyond just that in terms of their upper management hires. We're talking CEOs, uh, COOs. Um, if you remember Fartgate with our friend uh, Scott uh, Gelb or however you pronounce it. He was a friend of Brandon Beck or Mark Merrill. I forget which one. They're basically um, just uh, morphed into one horrible <coughs> monstrosity at this point. Doesn't really matter. Uh, Niccolo Laurent, who was the CEO at the same time during Fartgate and the gender discrimination stuff. Um, he was also a childhood friend of uh, whichever pleb uh, of the two morons he was. So nepotism is part and parcel of riot culture it's been seeped in there since the beginning it is what they built literally built the foundations of the business on was basically these two morons hiring all their buddies and you know sometimes i'll raise an eyebrow if i read an article talking about you know bro culture has seeped in and all the other people but in this instance i i could believe every word of it i could believe that this is absolutely a thing and so far as it still exists now, you might be like, well, they went through this whole huge extended lawsuit. Like, how can this still be a thing? It's riot, baby. Like, it could definitely still be a thing. She could also be lying. She could. She could also be exaggerating. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to not dismiss her on that one. And uh, if, people, if other people come forward and corroborate some of the stuff she's saying, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. If it goes a little bit the other way, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, in terms of the other stuff, there are a lot of things that we just can't really verify the accuracy of at all, like claims of, you know, the racism and the sexism stuff. That does require other people to come forward to, for me to really sort of think deeply about it, because unless I see tangible proof, uh, she's not someone I'm inclined to to back when when I'm on the fence or like I'm, I'm not sure about something, right? Like she hasn't earned that right. She's earned the right to be listened to, like absolutely. So these are some very serious claims that she's making and I would not dismiss them outright at all. But something I also want to, um, because I saw a couple of people saying this, in fact, someone tweeted it and then it got retweeted a bunch, was, uh, you know, when you say shit like, where there's smoke, there's fire. This is one of the laziest and most inaccurate terms of phrase you can ever use. If I say <clears throat> Thorin, uh, I saw Thorin sexually assaulting a, uh, a girl, whatever, that nothing has to have happened for me to, to come up with that in my mind. I could just do that. I could just say that. That's not smoke, right? I've not just created smoke and fire by making an accusation. The idea of smoke and fire is more to do with physical things. Like that's the whole point of the analogy. When there's literally smoke, 
there has to be fire, right? That's where the analogy comes from. Not ethereal bullcrap about what I've decided to maybe make up or not versus the reality, right? So that is not an appropriate phrase, uh, phraseology whatsoever. But yeah, obviously a bunch of serious allegations which should be taken seriously. She should be taken seriously if she was really suicidal. As I think Thorin mentioned on Twitter, her friends, close people should rally around her, make sure she's okay. That's by far the most important thing. And then, yeah, some of this stuff should absolutely be uh, further looked into. Unfortunately, I would say it does kind of require some other people coming out who are probably still working at Riot uh, to sort of back her for, you know, for there to be movement on a lot of this stuff. But, you know, if you can hope, I guess. Regarding the smoke without fire analogy, I mean, I do think it's rather lazy in and of itself. Um, but haven't, haven't there been quite a few, like um allegations against like uh riot management and the nepotism and the just the way people are treated behind the scenes and stuff like that like i know maybe this is just because i have more of a a personal insight because i've worked with them and been broadcast talent um i'm always hearing stories about stuff of like course. this like i'm and, and to be honest i don't have any way to verify them and i don't have any way to i've not spoken to froskland directly about any of this um but you know, I would probably lean on a similar phrase. It's like there's enough smoke around, like I've with with the uh, with the stories I've been hearing from multiple different people and stuff like that. That you know, I don't see a fire, I don't smell a fire, but would I put money on the fire being there or not? Schrodinger's fire, I probably would, to be perfectly honest with you. So, um, but maybe I'm in a different position because well, I, I mean, I, I would, I would as well. By the way, like if if I'm if I'm forced to place a bet on where I think the majority of the truth lies in this instance, I'd probably siding with Frost. I would say most. Mm. I would guess that most of what she is saying is at least somewhat accurate or true to a certain extent. Obviously, you're in a position where you've lived or not necessarily lived the incidents, right? But you've been living in the environment where the people in and around you have spoken or reiterated certain things of that nature. So, of course you're also in a position where you're you you can make a more educated guess than most of the people who have decided to comment on this right like absolutely my only point is using sm where there's smoke there's fire as if well we've got the murder weapon we just need to get the fingerprints like to confirm it as if it's like on the precipice of confirmation or as good as confirmed i think is a load of nonsense right now i mean even the stories you've heard hypothetically could all be bullshit right like it could be a a, a, a colluded campaign to to shit talk riot from the inside like hypothetically but again i'm i mean i'm with you generally like i i believe the balance on balance i would side or i would back the majority of her statement to be true but my only point is in the same way that we always harp on, you know, sometimes even in relations to ourselves, it's like, you know, you, what are you, why am I being attacked? Like you're attacking me as if I'm guilty. Like I've not been proven guilty of anything. We can't apply a different logic to Riot. As abhorrent a company as they are, we can't just say, ah, well, they got proved to have done a couple of things wrong. So I am saying you are 100% guilty of this thing I can't mm. prove. That is also a precedence that we can't set. I have a problem with this, though, which goes like this. It's not about saying whether she's like a flat liar and this is all fabricated and, you know, it's some sort of like sign that she's decaying mentally as a law. Like, here's the thing. As you say, first of all, nepotism exists in every single industry. Bad hires exist. People having biases, whether it's racial or otherwise, there's plenty of reasons people can be biased against you. Could just be even be some stupid personal petty beef from years ago and all. You've said something against Riot, even if you're really talented at the craft. My problem is this. When you're talking about such a serious topic, you're invoking premises like you actually considered killing yourself. I don't think you should then be exaggerating any aspect of that story. When you're talking about the idea people are racists, sexists, you should not ever be exaggerating those stories because those crimes are bad enough in themselves. Just tell it how it is. Let the other people decide what the crime is worth. Don't try and sell it like you're the prosecution lawyer just out there because there's no force coming back, is there? There's no defense lawyer in this case. There is no trial even. Notice that's a very key detail all you're doing is going vague vague illusion when i was there there was all this horrible stuff none of it have ever come out i'll never name any names just believe me i'm frostcoring and if you don't i don't know you're a, you're bigoted against me or something everything i am here's the problem right number one frostcoring is openly lesbian she repeatedly has mentioned this many times obviously she uh, during pride month is a part of it right this is not a, something that's a secret right so here's the question i have right if they hired you 
that implies they're not biased against gay people, presumably, right? So at this point now, the only logical bias left is race, right? It's some sort of like, they don't hire, could be black people. I don't know what it is. So in this case, I'm assuming just non-Europeans. I don't know what her exact, she, you know, she's never specific with it. She just gives these vague things to very serious accusations. So in that scenario, right, it carries an implication she hasn't even thought through because this is the implication. All your favorites on the LEC they must know about this. She's talking about how colleagues are telling her. She's talking about how it's there in your face. She's talking about how if you've been there a long time, you know who's getting hired and what's going on. And if you know the top people, you know. That means all the people on the LEC, apropos of her logic, are pieces of shit. They are human shit who refuse to literally even, not even come out publicly, even reach out to a journalist, as she never did, as far as I can tell. They refuse to even reach out and say, look, I can't say anything publicly, but look into this, like this person should have been hired, or you know what, I've actually heard that maybe there's even like a horrible thing happened to someone, it could be a woman, like she was basically being sexually harassed, or someone was making inappropriate comments, no. She's implying none of them did it, and it's a conspiracy of silence. And the problem I have with that is I trust some of the other people on that LEC broadcast a hell of a lot more than I do Froscorin because Froscorin has lied and exaggerated things about me and other people. And I will say, I don't think it all comes from nowhere. I actually can tell you, assuming she wasn't lying back in the day, and I did corroborate some of this, she herself did actually face... Funnily enough, I would say bigotry, discrimination, just shitty behaviour from Riot herself. If people don't know, she was on what was basically like an amateur broadcast of the LPL that got the whole region going for English language. Then they made it an official broadcast and just told her, oh, you can fuck off. And then when she was doing like leagues, I think it was in like Australia or something, there would be people who essentially were like lad culture and saying inappropriate things or being like, oh, you're the sexy one on the show. I'm talking about people who work on the show. So I know she has faced some of that. Like I say, guess what? Every industry contains humans and these are human issues that you will always face in societies when you clash together different demographics of people. But as I say, to me, it's a massive, massive accusation to make this. And I've got an obvious question to ask here. And I don't believe any, I can't believe no one else is asking it. It's not, why didn't Sharks or why didn't Quickshot come out and say this? It goes like this. Why haven't you come out and fucking said anything? Thin. You don't even work for the LEC. So you believe there's actual, like, essential moral violations. By the way, technically, some of these things are illegal. It's illegal to not hire someone on the basis of race in most European countries and the USA. You believe crimes are being committed, crimes against humanity and crimes against the law itself. But even when you don't work there and you don't collect any money, by the way, implication is you just said nothing while you collected your money. You never went to a journalist while you were working at LEC. You can say, I was picturing it from the inside. Doesn't matter, love. Didn't work, did it? So why why didn't you, when you left, call them all out? Haven't you seen what I do? I put, I literally live this game, mate. I put my skin in the game. I call people out when they do horrendous shit. And I suffer the consequences because guess what? There are always reprisals, especially from fucking Riot Games. There will always be reprisals from Riot Games. It will cost you. It costs skin in the game to actually be someone who has principles. If you have principles until it costs you, you don't have principles. They're called luxuries. You That's like having like a, a stick-on tattoo that you have when you're at a party. Then when you go home, you just rip it off and no one ever has to know you never had a real tattoo to you weren't really in the game so what i would say is this right why hasn't she a called out the fucking bigots not hiring people for horrendous reasons there's nothing holding you back now even if you only do it like this you just make their name dirty you might not ever take them a court or actually do anything but just just tell us who they are so we can avoid them so someone else doesn't get fucked. and then here's the obvious other thing and this is what i think is the thread that when you pull on the whole thing unravels if there are all these amazing talents they might be black they might be gay they might be women there might be any demographic she chooses that she believes was so good they deserve their crack on the LEC, like Troubling, spoiler, woman, like Froscoring herself, spoiler, gay person, like, like Papa Smith, he was on it for a while, but he's half Iranian, like, I haven't personally seen this track record, I haven't heard these specific stories about LEC, so here's the obvious question, can you at least tell us who they are? Can I at least know who the sick caster who should be on LEC is? Because guess what? Even if he's not on LEC, maybe we can put him on another broadcast. Maybe we can get him on the LPL. Can we please just know who these people are? For a score, won't give us any names. She won't give us the names of the bigots. She won't give us the names of the fucking upcoming talent. As far as I can tell, I'm not even joking here. Rich watches other leagues. I don't know who this talent is. I don't know who this amazing person that's been denied. If I knew who they were, by the way, I'd promote them. I'd love to if they could. So my problem is this. It's like a little kid. It's like in this scenario, she makes the rules of the game. Game. And she's like, well, actually, there is someone. Oh, who is it? Nuh -uh. Unless you can guess. It's like, no, this isn't. This is not a little. It's not a fun game. This is a really serious topic that people's lives 
in this case, even your own has been impacted negatively. People's lives and their careers are really tied up in this. And then lastly, on the suicide topic, because this should I don't think this is a topic, especially in the context when you know someone has actually had that problem. You shouldn't like lightly joke about it. You have to be very careful context that you know it's humor if you ever do. I would just say this, and it's a really serious message. This isn't the first time she said this. She said she literally considered committing suicide after the world's 2020 semi-final cast, which was very heavily panned because a lot of people thought she just did a bad job and there's too many in jokes with Drake also mate etc she's also now implied that their hatred from people not liking the comments about being blindedly white and thinking that she's racist and oh i know all about that frost going someone taking a horrible label reading in as as uh, as uncharitably as possible to something you've said and then applying the label knowing that people who don't know you will then go oh is that person an ist is this an ism in that scenario, here's what I would say. If you have multiple times been pushed to the point of suicide by the game, I know now you are out, but I would suggest this to anyone else in the game, genuinely consider leaving the game. Take This is where you have to practice self-care. You have to go away from the game and figure out a way that if you interact with it again, this isn't going to happen because it isn't worth it. It isn't worth it to be like a cool caster or to have a great... There's better things you can do in life that you can be happy and you can be satisfied. I don't think anyone should go through that. And I certainly don't think anyone should ever be in that position where they feel like it just comes with the territory. It doesn't. If, if it's really affecting you that seriously, just take care of yourself. There you go. That's a nice little 10 minutes for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just, just to play a, a tiny bit of, of devil's advocate, because obviously... Oscar's advocate, yeah. With the, with, especially with like the, the caster stuff, I, Come on. I completely agree because... It, it, you can even remove the quote-unquote controversial aspect by saying, I'm not going to talk about the hiring process or that this person was excluded because they're black or whatever. Forget all oh. that. Literally, as you say, at a minimum, just tell the world about who these amazing people yeah. are. Don't even get involved in, in that stuff if you don't want to. But to play devil's advocate quickly, I think what a lot of people would say, and, you know, victims of abuse or whatever, we don't know the scale. Like, she didn't really go into that much detail about to what scale or how it affected her daily. I mean, she did put at the end that it made her suicidal, but um yeah in, t in terms of that there wasn't a, a shitload of detail as you said it was fairly vague i think a lot of people would say oh well um she you know when when you're talking about like outing people who did this to you or something like that first of all that um she doesn't want to put other people in difficult positions right like if there's people who are still working for riot and they're not intending to leave riot anytime soon if she's relying on those people to give testimony essentially she's out they're not out right hypothetically so she might say that like it's really easy to be on the outside and be like why don't you just out these people blah 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 but let's just pretend that her three best friends work for riot and they're all the people that she's relying on and they basically have a chance of like losing their livelihood or i know this is all illegal right like if you actually play this out i don't know oh. this, is, this isn't how it will happen but fold instantly and pay you all out before yeah, you sell instantly with this deal you but, know but the, uh, you also have to keep in mind and i'm just putting this very bluntly a lot of people are stupid and a lot of people are very yeah, scared course. and that combination yes. of being scared and stupid will lead uh, to, to stuff like this happening and again i'm not trying to be like insensitive on the topic at all uh, you know if someone has suffered a particular trauma which they can't bear to speak about which isn't her problem because she's mouthing out on twitter about it she's just not naming names but at the same time that it could be a multifaceted problem where there's lots of people involved and she feels that she can't really go any further in terms of being specific because then she is relying on the testimony of people who still work for riot and that puts them in a very awkward position this way i'm just gonna say my own life experience and maybe even let's say quick shots would be a good one i think we would say she doesn't really have many problems calling people out mitch you called me out if i said it was heads and the coin went tails <laughs> again it's uh yeah i i i'm uh, i'm trying to put myself in in the best case scenario of you know my most generous interpretation again i i think once you go make the decision to go on twitter or sorry on reddit and unload all of that it does kind of hurt your case to not be specific in at least some elements and to not yeah. give someone at least something tangible other than what your own personal mental state may or may not have been at one point in time. That then it does kind of make it a little bit more self-involved and you haven't actually really helped anything. You basically just said, oh, that town over there, that one, yeah, bad place, don't go there. Oh, Why rich. don't go there? I did leave an extra out, you'll notice. It wasn't just call out specifically who it is or tell us who the victims are, or tell us who didn't get hired. I did leave an extra out. You're, you're telling me, right, if you go to someone like Richard Lewis and you tell him, by the way, he has zero interest in, like, protecting Riot. If you tell him, I can't out them and they can't publicly come forwards, but can you start investigating a story about that? 
You're telling me he wouldn't be on the case instantly. Of course he would. By the way, even in this scenario where I despise for scoring, I would even do it if she was involved because it's bigger than a personal petty beef, isn't it? Yeah, this but... is about actually whether horrific things are going on or not. Yeah, but you and Richard are both uh, alt-right lunatics, so that's not an option really, is Convenient, it? isn't it? How the only people who would actually have the balls to put it out and speak, they've already been labelled by a certain group who like to say they're going to do things but never seem to do it. It's almost like it's a battle tactic here, Richard. It's convenient, isn't it? Well, that was... Well, uh... <laughs> did you, Fox? So you thought it was a no. light show and to maybe make some jokes about NLC or whatever? Yeah, mate, I'm uh, I'm just... I don't, I'm kind of speechless, honestly. I don't really have much to add on to the topic. I think you guys kind of just... I mean, it's great you guys just went off on one, honestly, because I do like right. listening to that stuff. But also, like, I mean, you guys have a point. Like, I think at, at the end of the day, like, honestly, when you look at things from, like, a humanitarian perspective, you know, I, I believe... I believe Foscuren has been wronged. I also believe oh. Riot kind of sucks. I also believe that, you know, I believe that Frusk is, if someone was to give an overly emotional account of things, it would be her. So I think there's like, when I say emotional, I don't, I don't mean to sound like patronizing in that way, but I think she, she's. She tends to take things quite personally and quite, sure. you know, to her heart and stuff like that. So um, I would love to honestly just get to the bottom of things with it all because I do think, you know, at least, I mean, I, I look at Frost and I just think this is a woman that kind of is looking for peace. And I hope that she finds that peace in some some way or another. Here's the thing, I'll sort of agree with you. I know what the sentiment you were going for. Put it this way, Foxcroft. I do not think she is, like, as I say, fabricating this whole cloth in some, like, evil Machiavellian way to lie about everyone. I genuinely think everything she is saying she thinks is true and did happen and in, and in some level of proportion to what she said. I don't think she is being inauthentic. I even think, by the way, that includes things she said about me. Like, I think she genuinely does think I'm a misogynist and I'm a terrible person. Now, listen, I would suggest there are other things behind the scenes that might be factors that might push you in that direction or might skew it a little bit but I, th I don't think like for example especially when we're talking about things like potential of sexual harassment or discrimination or suicidal thought, I, again like Rich said at the top I think you should essentially until it's a scenario where it's actually like one person's going to go to jail so I think you should probably give that the time of day and you should treat it with the seriousness that you at least give them like you don't do what everyone does in the political battles you just go everyone else is bad faith bad faith which mm. just means i don't have to engage with your point at all so i think you should at least consider the fact that they're authentic and genuine until proven otherwise by, by the way just one sure. one last point because i think we would be remiss if we we didn't mention it the thing about not being paid for six months which was also that's outrageous yeah. and i could totally believe that yeah. totally believe and that. also that, that that is something which is if she wants it to be is completely objectively checkable so like sure, just, a, yeah. just a, a, a bank statement would blurred out personal details or whatever. So yeah. I am very inclined to believe that that one is 90% true. That would be a really bizarre thing to make I'll up. give you some cooperation. Here's why I actually think that's plausible. One, a detail of the whole Renegades Monte Cristo saga people always forget is, Ren is Riot tried to claim that part of how Renegades had sort of like failed their duty of care over their players is they didn't pay their players for a month. Riot forgot to mention they sent the check to a different team's house. So there's one thing, right? They're not even sending the money to the right place when it goes out. Then secondly, I know, for example, in CSGO, up until something like a year or two years ago, ESL, one of the biggest gaming companies in the world, used to pay the people who they could get away with paying the latest, sometimes up to a year late. Now, listen, I'll tell you, I used to get paid all one time because believe it or not, I've got that fucking Twitter account that... I just get the safety off straight away. I've, I've already fired five shots, haven't I? But other people, they just go, oh, it's late. Oh, I'll ask another email. I can tell you, this happens in the esports industry. It is a thing. It's not that many companies, but if they ever run into liquidity problems or they need the money for a different product now and they think they can borrow from Peter to give to Paul, they will do that. So listen, these things, again, if you know the industry, these are all plausible accusations. In fact, these ones, I would say... These ones I don't even really dispute. I would imagine these ones are just probably the, the case. I don't think that, that extreme, but they are just what goes on, unfortunately. Most definitely, I would say esports is not the most professional of professions <laughs> in my limited experience in it. Anyway, we've uh, we've not had on about that for uh, for some time. I think uh, I think we can move on with that one. We we'll have to see how that one unfolds though, because it's pretty serious stuff. And uh, either way, it would be nice to yeah keep that one, keep eyes on that one. We're almost done here today on Side Select, but we've got one little more thing left for you. It's who wins. 
This is our little segment here where we put Thorin against Rich. So I'll make a little a little bet on, on something that's going to happen esports-wise during the week. And then at the end of the day, if uh, one person over the other has achieved a certain amount of points, you can do a forfeit, all that lovely business. It's basically a way to make Thorin maybe wear a reckless TSM shirt. What was it? I think it was something like that, Rich. When it, or maybe... It. Oh, you were going to make him reword some Dunzo Manifesto. I don't know. Either way, it was going to be pretty... Oh, no, that was your story, That's wasn't mine. it? You were going to make... Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that either way. But uh, it, it, currently, so far, Thorin's in the lead. One and zero last week. Thorin bet that Fnatic would beat BDS. And what do you know? Fnatic did beat BDS. So Rich on the back foot on this one. So but I, I around... was actually... Uh, that, that was, you know, just, just a misunderstanding of the rules. Okay. See, I thought that it was the first to five had to do the forfeit, which is why I, out of respect, obviously gave Mr. Esports the slam dunk that, uh, you know, Fnatic were going to uh -huh. win. I didn't even question it. That was a, a clear and obvious winner there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's by the by. Mm. I, I understand Absolutely. the rules now, so that'll be the last point I lose. Right, and you were just warming up, of course, as well. Right, like, totally, un yeah, totally understand. Well, you got time to get back into this one. Fun Spark ulti finals taking place. Gambit looking like the heavy favourites in this one, but Fnatic and Astralis might be challenging them. But who do you think is going to make it further, Astralis or Fnatic? Uh, I'm going to start with Rich this time round. Where are you putting your money? Um, so, yeah, I would just first say that I did have the displeasure of God. watching my pick play today in what is an absolute disaster of a BO3. But it is double elimination because, you know... Pay attention, League of Legends. That is actually an option when you make tournaments. So they are still in it. And the thing is, I was going to make my point largely based on a ludicrous narrative anyway. So this doesn't actually okay. change much. And yeah, everything else goes out the window. So what I would He's learned how to do talk shows. That is the secret <laughs> to talk shows. Thing. Well, yeah, there you go. What I, what I would say is that, you know, uh, neither of these teams have been together for an especially long period of time. Obviously, the lands have been like few and far between as well, like since COVID or whatever. But in terms of both players as a five, the more experienced sort of big, big game, big tournament players are on Astralis on balance, oh, sort of lucky aside. Yeah, yeah. That is somewhat mitigated by the fact that this is an online tournament. So it is different. There are fewer nerves. If you don't have as much experience, that is slightly diluted. But the big game experience is with Australis. That is the only actual tangible reason I have, especially now after having watched that game, to justify the pick. But I will leave you with this. Can you tell me the last time that a core of UK players won or even perform very well in a Counter-Strike tournament. And the reason why I say a Counter-Strike tournament and not a CSGO tournament is because I don't think it's ever happened in CSGO. I think there's literally never been a core of UK players that have ever won a tournament in CSGO. Now, I know you're probably picking Gambit to win and not uh, uh, Fnatic yeah, yeah, anyway, but even perform well in the tournament. So I'm not going to lie. This is a sad hill to, to, to potentially die on, but I'm, I'm going with it anyway. Fuck it. Yeah, basically, if people don't know, like, we did do the picks. Obviously, we don't do them right before because we have to decide who takes what. We did do the pick before any games were played. So, Rich is just going to honour his pick that he was going to take Astralis. I'll also say as well, it's not like it was an impossible one. This isn't one where it's super far apart. Like, Astralis' first land was a banger, even excluding the crowd stuff. Some of the players played well. Maybe they just had a couple of bad lands and now they can get together, you know. They've had some time to get together and it's going online. Maybe people like Lucky play better online. There was factors that could have gone for it. The problem is this. First of all, just like with my bet in League of Legends, long time Fnatic admirer, always like to take Fnatic's sides and big them up and explain that they'll probably win. A lot of people know that. So what I'll say is this, I'm going to take Fnatic for this one. The reason why is this, Astralis on paper maybe has potential, but they've kind of like not really shown it when it's mad after that first tournament where, if you don't know on Counter-Strike especially, the first tournament of all of them, we call it the first few tournaments, the honeymoon period, where usually, you know, you get to know each other and the other teams don't know you. Like the first couple of tournaments should be your best in that sense. They should show that like you've got mad skills because that's when no one's watched your demos. They don't know what you're going to do, but you can know what they're going to do. The problem is their best tournament was the first one. So if I go on the Fnatic side, Fnatic so far haven't really been wounded. They became really good online with this lineup and just, everything was just looking up. All the markers going up. They were going on win streaks. Everyone was fragging out of their minds. And then when they did come to their first land, they actually were pretty good. The placing wasn't so crazy. But if you go and look who they played, who they lost to, how they played, they looked actually pretty legit. So to me, I actually think more potentials on the Fnatic side. I think they're already, you know, 
if you go across the board, I think they're overall showing it. And the thing about I love about the Fanatic squad is, like the Astralis in its makeup, but it's working better. They've got a brilliant mixture of not so experienced players and super experienced players, and then the players are in the right roles. And then I actually think low key, the like fragging distribution and performance distribution of this team is really impressive, actually. And as Rich says, just as an aside, because obviously you have three UK players, legitimate UK players. It's not like when Mantu like is like technically like Polish, but he came to the UK and lived there and was like, should I call myself UK for a while? It's like you can do what you want, mate. So in this scenario, it is actually a true UK core. Yeah, that would be crazy if that could become anywhere close to a content to win big lands if you could ever get in like the top five of the rankings this would be big time stuff in CSGO the UK has unfortunately been something of sort of an also run if not not even also run just some sort of like a side note at the bottom like there used to be these country called the UK used to play in these tournaments all right so we got Rich taking Astralis and we've got Doran taking Fnatic I mean, on I'm not one. even really taking Astralis I'm taking basically blame F and if he doesn't play well then it's just out the window <laughs> anyway like <laughs> Also, by the oh, way, to be fair, if you watch well. those games, like Config is the other player you would pretty much put your money on to do well. He's also been pretty underwhelming his last few lands. So I would say he's one player I do expect to take over and become really good again. So I, I think that like, this isn't the best for Astralis you've seen so far. It's just I think that all more, you know, if I have to pick, I take Fnatic for this one. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys better hope that's going to happen out because Rich. You're already one point down in these sweepstakes. You know, you you got some you got some ground to make up and no one wants to go down 2-0. I tell you, 1-1 one, one is a lot closer. And I know that sounds dumb, but it's just the truth. 2-0. All right, that's going to do it. 2-0 is, uh, is your comfort zone. Shit, Who's I should have said 1-0 is my comfort zone. Now I've just conceded the next point already. No, nah, but it's fine. Now you're now you're set up for the next, you know, when when everything goes tits up this time around, you're, you know, it's cool. You just you're investing in the future, mate. It's very smart yeah. actually. Diversify your excuses. It's very good stuff. That's going to do it for us here today on Side Select. Any last words from our friends Thorin mate, and we'll say goodbye to anyone. I would just say this is probably the heaviest episode we're ever going to do. But I actually do think, even though it might have seemed before and after, like everything was very jocular, it was all just being silly. And, you know, obviously some takes are serious, but it's still video games. I would just say the more serious stuff we talked about, like, I think in general, we helped, we actually covered all bases on that. We were quite fair to the people involved. Didn't try to just read bad intentions. So I would just say, I hope we can continue that trend if we ever have to touch anything heavy again. Yeah, and I, just to add on to that, I would like to say... Before anyone wants to do something really fun slash clever with, you know, clipping tiny little excerpts or whatever, that I will just always reference them, uh, them back to this timestamp, which is, as I said before, even with Froscorin, with anyone who is, you know, potentially a victim of something that this serious, they, sh they should always be taken seriously. You should always assume that there's a high likelihood that they are telling the truth, even if perhaps it turns out that they aren't, because it's super important to maintain that precedence even with people who have proven up to this stage to be scumbaggy little a-holes. On that absolutely delightful note, we're going to sign off. Thanks so much for watching, guys. See you next time.